Do you want me to start it or are you going to start? You just did, Jeff. You did it to me again, Robbie. Come on, man. You got to learn from last week. I just can't tell when you're clicking and when you're ready. Well, I am ready. Are you ready? I'm ready and very excited. Well, let's get after it. What do you say? Let's do it. Welcome to the Faith Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jeff and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from August 16th, 2020. Church, welcome to another podcast. This is Jeff, and I'm here today with Robbie. Hello, everybody. Glad to have you with us. What a beautiful day. It really has been, uh, I feel like it's been a beautiful couple of days. It has. Just saw a bald eagle a little while ago outside the church. That it was amazing. is awesome. Was he carrying an American flag in his talons? Uh, he did not, no. Uh. Mostly just bald right now, but okay. he was just majestic. When I see a bald eagle, I just say, thank you, God, for letting me see that. They are pretty awesome mm-hmm. looking birds. Angry as all get out, but pretty awesome looking. They, yeah. just, they just look stern, don't they? Well, if they're flying towards you, it's a different reaction to that's like, more like, help me. That's, God, a, right? that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> but Robbie, I'm excited to get to talk with you about your sermon from Sunday. All right on. Well, glad to be here. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I, The theme of, I mean, one of the themes clearly was love and love, not just for those who are easy to love, but love mm-hmm. for really all people, including like Jesus taught us, our enemies and those people that, you know, maybe are difficult to love or would seek to harm us. Mm, Right. That's a, that's a really important topic for a follower of Jesus because Jesus was very clear, wasn't he, about that? He was uncomfortably clear, quite frankly. I would have, it's one of the areas where I would have actually appreciated a little more vagaries, a little Mm. more, uh, nebulous of a response, but he is, he is so straightforward in, in his articulation of what it means to love those who are difficult to love, that it doesn't, it doesn't really allow a whole lot of wiggle room. No. And, you know, having spent so much time ministering on college campuses that were not necessarily friendly places to Christianity in general, Mm. that teaching of Jesus though, was, is universally admired if not, it's not always followed clearly, but people love that Jesus taught love your enemies because it's so radical. And there's something, I think there's like a deep truth in it right. that just is, it, it's good. And people realize that whether or not they're following Jesus or not. I just read the other day that, that Bertrand Russell, who was an, uh, quite frankly, an angry, embittered atheist philosopher, um, cited this particular verse as the one command that he could not find anything wrong with, aside from the fact that it was impossible. (laughs) So he said, this is the one thing that I can't complain about. I can't find anything wrong with this command. This is a truly virtuous command. I just don't think it's possible to be done. Man. It's like, imagine, imagine a world where that wasn't the case, right? Like if the kingdom (laughs) of God, uh, fully arrived on earth. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth is in heaven. That's, that's that. That is what we pray. That's what we pray for. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but in praying for that, then, then we're called to live that out, right. To be a part of ushering that in. And part of that is wrestling with, with passages like, like Luke chapter six, where, where Jesus lays out, but I, but I say to you, 
to you, I, I think it's interesting. He starts it, but I say to you who hear, hmm. right? That's such an interesting way <laughs> to, to start something. For those of you who are listening, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Uh, and as you wish others would do for you, do also to them. And then he goes into, like he does in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And that's what I mean. If you just look at what Jesus says, he doesn't leave a lot of room. And I want to find all sorts of outs, right? So I can go to, yeah, but this pastor said, or, but this author said, or, but this politician said, or, but this watchdog site said, or this YouTube video said, or, yeah, but I feel, but we have to come back to, but what did Jesus actually say, Hmm. right? Not, not what does this person say he really meant, but what did he actually say? And if, if I come into this with no, with no, you know, preconceived ideas or no, you know, preset personal bent one direction or another. And I just read what Jesus command uh, says here. It's, I mean, it's awkwardly straightforward. It is. And there's not an escape and in a good way, there really isn't. And, right. And then when you look at, like we looked at as a, a staff, you know, at church this week, how the early church responded to those commands I think it's even, you know, uber compelling that they did not take it (laughs) as symbolic or only in these circumstances or whatever. Uh, When Stephen, right, he's martyred, he's being stoned to death. He basically repeats Jesus's words. Right. Don't hold this against them. Um, Again, demonstrating that they understood their Lord to be teaching them to love their enemies, like he said. Right. Their, Their understanding clearly was... When Jesus said, as I have done for you, do to others. Like I am setting you an example that you would do what I have done. That that Acts church seemed to take him literally. And so you see Stephen responding in that same way that we see Jesus do on the cross. Literally the same gracious response to those who are unjustly murdering him. And it's it, it gives a an encouraging, if not convicting, picture of, well, this can be done. And then of, and of course, then there throughout all of Christian history, we have example after example after example of people who, who've endured unimaginable persecution and, and even martyrdom and have done so graciously and humbly and trusting that Jesus way is the best response. Hmm. It's amazing. It's the work of the spirit. Right. That absolutely. I can't muster that up on my own. No, me either. Me either. Well, I have a whole list of questions here, Robbie. All right. Fire away. So let's get going on these. Um, You know, one thing that came to my mind as I was thinking about just the, I think that intense isn't the right word. This just isn't a light topic to, to be thinking about loving your enemies. It's Mm -hmm. not um, an easy one. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. It's not an easy topic. I'm curious, as you prepared, as you studied, as you prayed and wrestled with this passage, what was it inside of you? Was there anything that really struck you personally 
as you did that before you taught all of us? I, I think I think the the most striking and humbling realization over over the weeks of praying through this and pouring over this has been has been realizing how quick my own heart is to go this direction. Like how how prone I am to label and dismiss hmm. rather than than pursue in love. And and I gave the example on Sunday, like it's so sneaky, you can you can not realize that you're doing the thing as you think you're standing up against the thing, right? So I can be saying, I just it just makes me so angry that all of these people get so angry at other people. Hmm. Right. I just, I, I think, you know, the, the people that I think are the worst are people who think other people are the worst. I, it just becomes so, so cyclical where I, f- I find myself without realizing doing the very thing and, and thinking, well, right, but I'm not angry at those people. I'm angry at these other people, or I am frustrated at not at the, you know, and, and, and thinking that the target of my self-righteous anger is what makes it better rather than saying no self-righteous anger in all of its forms regardless of where it's directed is is ungodly that's not what jesus is calling us to so yeah just uh, and realizing i don't i don't know how i can take one step forward in actively truly loving my enemies without first acknowledging how prone i am to disobey that command hmm. Um, if I start with the standpoint of, well, sure, I'm obviously already doing that. Um, they're the problem. Then, then I'm already moving the the opposite direction that Jesus has called me. And I have to start by acknowledging, um, that I am equally susceptible and I'm oftentimes doing exactly the same thing that that person that I am labeling and dismissing, or I am angry at is doing. It just takes a different form. Does that make sense? It makes a ton of sense. And it's in, it's interesting how insidious it is. Our human tendency to, I mean, we label so we can diminish. And then it makes it easy to dismiss people and to not love them because I don't think we're explicitly thinking those things. It's just what happens, right? It's like I label you whatever it is, you know, this political term. And then... Yeah. I feel, well, I'm justified in calling you this name or whatever the thing is in our heart. Oftentimes, I think it's just in our heart that this happens. Um, it just, yeah, we have to start by admitting that this is a real thing for each of us. Yeah, we, that's good. We do. I mean, Jesus wouldn't make such a big deal out of it if he didn't know this was something we are all prone to. This is... The, the, the gravity of our hearts and our flesh and those, those disordered desires are going to go this direction. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the sin in Eden, right? The first thing is, yeah, but they're worse than me, hmm. right? So our, our, the first response to our first father and mother is, yeah, maybe I'm doing this, but they're doing that. And so that's worse, right? So I'm I'm good in your eyes because I'm at least better than that person, right? And so to to acknowledge uh, that that's, that's so hardwired into us and we so desperately need Jesus to help us in that is the first step in being able to identify with that other person and saying, well, man, your unhealthy response, I actually can relate to having unhealthy responses to 
yes, even good, good things. And so we can meet on that common ground and say, boy, don't we both need Jesus? Um, because, because our hearts are both prone to, to that thing. I think it's actually a really freeing thing because it makes it really clear in every circumstance and with every human, Jesus's call on my life is to love. Yes. Now, Figuring out what that looks like isn't always the easiest thing, but I do know at least it is always to love. And I find that extremely freeing. Right. It's not, it's not easy, but it's simple. Yes. It's, it's uncomplicated. It is, well, what should we do? Well, you should love them. Well, well, are they, who, well, who are they to me? Are they your neighbor? Yes. Well, then they, they should love them. Okay. But what about my enemy? Oh, definitely love them. Right. Right, You don't need to do any of that, right? It's so, it's so simple. Are they an image bearer of God? Are they a human being living and breathing uh, and therefore an image bearer of the creator God of the universe? Then yes, you should pursue them in love. Hmm. What a call. It's heavy. And and I think part of it is acknowledging like we want the easy answer, right? So let's acknowledge this is heavy and this is difficult. So if, if anyone if anyone hears me saying this or you giving your examples and thinks that we're saying it is, it's easy, why aren't we all doing this? Uh, n- nothing could be further from the truth. It's, it's because this is so difficult and so impossible to do apart from the infusion of the spirit in my heart and in my mind, we, we need to take practical steps so- toward pursuing that. Yes. And we need each other desperately, you know, to do it. So here's another question. Since Sunday, and sometimes I know after you get preach and you think about it some more, you might've had more that you would like to have shared if you had more time or more things came to mind. I'm curious, what would that be for this one? Like what additional thoughts do you have since we heard you preach? Oh man. Um, yeah, this, this was one that I, that I rewrote I mean, I probably went through five or six rough drafts of this particular sermon. And the, the, the bummer is, for those of you who enjoy the cutting room floor details of the podcast, um, this time, I think more than, than any other sermon in recent memory, um, things went on the cutting room floor for a really good reason, <laughs> right? Like they went on the cutting room floor because I was like... I'm thinking, goodness gracious, that that felt very heavy-handed, or that felt more like condemnation than encouragement, or that felt more like me expressing my opinion than than just acknowledging what Jesus has had said. So um, I don't have a ton. I don't really have a lot of, you know. Well, this got cut for for time. Um, I actually went too long, in my opinion. But uh, so clearly, <laughs> I didn't cut for time. Um, but the things that I cut, I feel. I feel good about cutting because they shouldn't be shared. Um, it was just some of my own, my own disordered heart leaking out. And, uh, and, and that's kind of part of this realization of going, Oh my goodness, as I'm writing a sermon on how to love people, I find myself getting frustrated at people like that's, that's clearly not okay. So, so that, you know, that illustration or that example needs to, needs to get cut because, um, that's more about me working out my own frustrations than it is acknowledging, um, who God is and who he has called us to. Um, the, the, one of the things that, that I, 
did wish I expanded on a little bit, and which I actually already said earlier in the podcast, I answered your question before you asked the question, I guess, but just that idea of how, how quickly we can find ourselves trying to defend a biblically indefensible position by quoting pastors, authors, politicians, watchdog websites, which if you don't know what a watchdog website is, those are sites that are, that are dedicated to how other people are wrong. So yeah. if you're going to websites that are like, here's how this pastor is the worst, and here's another horrible thing that this other pastor said, and watch out for these politicians because they don't believe the right things. Those are, those are kind of dubbed generally watchdog sites, um, and they're super unhealthy. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and broad brush that and say, if you can give me a biblical reason why saying only negative and hurtful, slanderous things about somebody else is Christ-like, I am totally willing to receive that, but I don't generally feel like those are healthy or coming from a place of love and developing unity. Um, hmm. But they're they're things that are that play on our emotions and our fears and and stir those things up in us. And just far too often, when we have these conversations, we're quoting those other authors or websites or YouTube videos or just our own feelings, and and very little scripture if any. So, so the answer to, well, Jesus said this, what should we do about that is, well, but this dude whose podcast I listened to said this other thing, like, right. But unless that podcast is the Jesus Christ podcast, like that dude's opinion does not bear the same weight. And so I, including this one, right? So if I'm saying something in, in this that is contradictory to what Jesus has declared, Jesus wins. Trust him more than you trust my opinion, by all means. Um, so just to, just to guard against that, to guard against pitting our own feelings and other people's opinions against the explicit word of Jesus and, and allow Jesus' word to bear weight. The, the God incarnate, the only human being who has mastered life and, and who knows how life, the universe, and everything actually really works, allow him to define what the right w- thing to do is and the right way to respond is. And uh, even if that means I have to relinquish my own opinion or a favorite author or even favorite pastor. Yeah, every every human voice has to sub- be submitted, right, under the voice of God and Absolutely. His authority. Absolutely. And I think, especially with this teaching, I just was pulling up here, you know, Matthew's version of the teaching and his account of it, uh, Matthew six, so forty three says, "You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." So Jesus even starts the teaching with. Mm-hmm. People say this, you've heard this. This is normal. And then he says this phrase that he says all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew 5, 6, 7, but I say to you, which Mm. is actually Mm. like, (laughs) but but it doesn't matter what they said, because what I am saying is this. Right. And he says very clearly, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And couldn't be any clearer. So he knew, he knew that all of us who are trying to be apprentices and living as apprentices of Jesus are going to hear other voices that compete against his. And what he wants us to hear over and over again is, but I say to you, Hmm. Hmm. love your enemies. That's what he says. So good. And how many times do we hear that? But I say this, but I say this. Hmm. And, And I think that's such a, such a wise point, Jeff, in acknowledging 
Jesus knows what our normal thought patterns are and what culture and society deems acceptable and, and acknowledges those. You, this is what you have heard. This is what you believe. But I say this and, and lays out the choice. So you can choose. Do I choose Jesus or do I choose culture and, and my own disordered heart? Hmm. So you sifted through and you left some things on the floor. I did. And for good reason, you said, and we will just all trust you and, <laughs> and God's sovereignty, right? That we heard what, what we needed to hear. What about things that you said that you wanted to elaborate on or clarify or maybe questions about something? Um, and, and you've had a few days now to think about, about it since you preached. Yeah. Uh, I did get, we, we got one really great question, um, which I think is such a common question. So as soon as I saw it, I thought that's a, that's a great one to do on the podcast because I think, uh, I think it's very, very common. Um, and it was the idea uh, of how, how do we pray for forgiveness, um, for those who are doing evil and still stand against the evil that they are committing while still loving the people? Um, did I, did I say, ask that in a way that makes sense? Yeah. You know? Yeah. How do we, <laughs> yeah. How do we pray for forgiveness and, and really love people while standing against the evil that the people are doing? Correct. Correct. So yes. how, how do we, how do we stand against evil while still loving the person? And, and what I, what's, what strikes me about the question is, uh, I believe a false dichotomy. Right. We've why do we believe that loving people and standing up against evil are two opposing responses? Um, because if if my response, like, how is that? How do I believe that that person is going to be transformed if not by the forgiveness, redemption and love of the Heavenly Father? Hmm. Right. Which is communicated through a loving demonstration and declaration of the gospel. Um, and, and if it's not by love, then by what means am I standing up against this evil? Um, am I, am, uh, am I pitting evil against evil? Am I meeting it on its own terms? Because that's a problem. Um, and, and if I, as I was processing this a little bit, I just, to, to try to oversimplify it, maybe, uh, I just thought if, if God is love and he commands us to love, then what by definition, if God is love, then what is non-love? Ungodly, right? So if it's if it's the opposite of God, then it is by definition ungodly. And so what we technically find ourselves doing is asking ourselves and asking of others, how can I stand against evil if I am not allowed to act ungodly? Hmm. Which, well, when you put it that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which none, nobody, none of us would ever say that out loud, right? I'm not going to say, well, how could I possibly defeat evil if I'm not allowed to be evil myself? But in a sense, it, when we pit love and standing against evil against one another like that, how can I be love? How can I love that person and yet still stand against evil? When we pit those against one another, we're revealing that we think I can't love this person in order to, def you know, and first of all, what do we even mean by defeating evil or standing up against evil? That, that can, that's pretty nebulous and can go a lot of different directions. Um, but I think when we, when we pit those against each other, we miss that the question itself contains the answer, right? How do we stand up against evil? With love, 
Yes. That's what Jesus says. That is how we stand up against evil. We don't fight evil on its own terms. Love is the weapon that Christ has given us against evil. Right? Jesus tells us that over and over again. Paul tells us that. John tells us that over and over. Love is the way. And the problem is when we find that answer insufficient or impractical, then I would argue we need to check our motivations. Because what what is the end I am truly after? Because if I'm truly in, I would argue, and this is another thing that I feel like my, it was a kind of an epiphany as I'm as I'm going through this over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know that I would have been able to articulate this a few weeks ago, but I feel pretty confident in it now. When when we are most truly in pursuit of Jesus' ends, we are most willing to use Jesus' means. Hmm. When, when I have my own ends in mind, my own definition of what defeating that evil is, what evil is, how, what defeating it looks like, when I, when I have my own ends in mind, either my own frustration against that person or those people, then that's when I find Jesus means to be insufficient or dissatisfying or even frustrating. Hmm. Right? But... But if I'm truly after Jesus' mean or Jesus ends, then Jesus' means make the most sense. And so, in saying, well, I, what I want ultimately is not for that person to be defeated and destroyed and cast into hell. What I want for that person is to find the same saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ that God has gifted me with. Yes. Well, then I would want to use the means that Jesus has given me to accomplish Jesus' ends. And and if. And I have to be honest with myself at some point and say, if I, if I find the idea of evil not getting what they deserve, like not, not receiving its just penalty, then, then am I not betraying, at least on some level, that I, I don't fully understand what exactly is happening in the gospel. Because the cross literally is meant only for evil people. Yes. Only. It is only meant for the ungodly. Right, so uh, uh, I, I'm I'm clearly unaware of my own unworthiness and and what the purpose of the cross is. If I believe, well, no, the cross is for good people and justice is for evil people. No, no, the, the cross is only for evil people. So, so why then ultimately do I want to have a reason why I don't have to love that person? Why, why would I be searching for scenarios where I don't have to obey Jesus literally? Like at, that, at that point, I need, to, I need to check my heart and go, well, why, why is my heart not prone to say, well, Jesus said I should love them. So I should love them. Like I should, like I should want to obey him as much as possible rather than going, okay, but tell me what's the scenario that I don't have to obey Jesus anymore. I don't have to love that enemy. Once they're this level of ungodly, then I don't have to love them anymore. Um, I just, I don't want, I don't want that to be the question that I'm asking. No, because our heart then is going, like you pointed out, in a totally different direction than where God's heart is. Right, right. And I don't even, I mean, so you think about Jesus's ends, and then the means to accomplish those ends. I think apart from the means he gives us, which in this case, we're talking about loving, right? Yep. Loving others. Yeah. We can't accomplish his ends unless that's what we do. Because if we do anything but love, we're advancing evil and not right. good. Like we're doing the opposite thing that we're trying to accomplish. And what an amazing technique of our deceptive enemy, right? Yes. 
to 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 deceive us into a place of thinking the only way to defeat him is to use his own techniques. Yes. Man. You know, Dallas Willard, what he calls this, Robbie. What's that? The Something divi- way better than what I have, well, that's for sure. <laughs> he just he has a book called The Divine Conspiracy. Mm. And what the divine conspiracy is, is God thwarting and dealing with evil, overcoming it with good. Mm. That's what right. it is. It's God's divine conspiracy to redeem what is broken and what has become really at odds with him and separated from him. Right. Oh, what was that great uh, N.T. Wright phrase that you dropped on me the other day? Oh, the anti-creation. Yes. So, so basically yes. there are, yeah, so good good and loving forces, good and loving things like God are creation forces. Like God creates and creation is good. And anything that will steal from creation, diminish it, degrade it, deform it is an anti-creation force. So evil any evil response ends up being anti-creation. It's destroying the good thing that God made and and loves. Man, that's good. That's profound. We should have just said that. This whole thing would have been done in like three minutes. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have been able to ramble on and on and on here. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Oh, I really like that, though, that clarification. Thank you for that. I think that's probably a question a lot of people had. As they listen to this, it's certainly mine. I mean, I mean, those, those are the kind of questions that we've been that we ask for a hundred years, right? When we're or not hundred for thousands of years, quite frankly. I mean, since Christ Himself, well, how you know the problem of evil? How do we how do we deal with that? And and there, I think there's just always this lingering part of us that that just struggles, feeling like, but love can't be enough. That can't really be the answer. And and Jesus proves otherwise. Hmm. The cross proves otherwise. And I want to figure out, <laughs> I want to do my best to to walk in the the faith that is required to, to trust in that and trust that his way truly is better, that his means really is the best way to accomplish his ends um, and, and, and seek to become the kind of person for whom that is my natural response or supernatural response is probably more accurate. Yeah. Becoming like Jesus. Yeah. So if, if we're hearing this right now and we're thinking that sounds great and actually do want that. And like we said, right at the beginning of the podcast, this seems to be something that even like someone like Bertrand Russell, an atheist philosopher finds good, but impossible. But what would we do if we wanted to take a practical step, Robbie? What would you recommend? A practical step towards obeying this command and living this out, becoming that kind of person for which this this is what we do. We love our enemies. We love those who are difficult to love. What's a step we could take? Uh, well, out of care for our listeners and wanting to keep it brief because this one's gone a little long, uh, I'll, I'll just give two two bullet points, one one corrective and one um, like positive pursuit. Uh, one, one corrective encouragement that I would give people is, uh, is think about the words that you use, the words that you post, um, and, and what they're communicating to, to go back and read the emails that you have forwarded recently, or the posts on Facebook that you have 
commented in an encouraging way on or reposted or posted yourself and and think like do these do these speak more of the giver of life who speaks love and welcome and and graciousness or are does this sound more like anti-creation talk of division Hmm. and and uh and calling out specific people as evil um, when I'm commanded to not judge that I don't know their hearts. And, and even though I'm commanded to judge fruit, um, that I still don't know where Jesus is in, in his pursuit of them. Um, and so, uh, to just, to stop and, and, and be aware, um, of what, what am I communicating? What, uh, what, what are the words that are coming out of my mouth and what does that communicate about what's stirring in my heart? And then moving in a positive direction, um, I mean, that the, the purpose of Sunday, more than anything, was to try to remind uh, each other of the extraordinary love of the Father. So soak in passages like 1 John 4, just read them over and over and over again and remind yourself of how deeply loved you are, how extraordinary you are, how how the God who is love calls us to live like him, to live lives of love. And because all of these things, all of these responses of, of, of division are all ultimately because I'm not trusting fully that I am loved, right? And I have to compare myself with those other people because I have to try to figure out like, am I accepted? Am I loved? Am I good enough? which is really hard to do when you're just soaking in the love of God and so acutely aware of that, 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 that is what is consuming me. So, um, so a be on guard of what it is that you're saying. Um, and, and b pursue growing in your own understanding of the love that, that, that our heavenly father has for you in particular. And the place again, that I'd encourage you to start first John four, it's really good stuff, Robbie. Thank you. Thanks, man. I appreciate the questions, and um, this is this has been this has been a good one to to pour over, to pray over, to discuss with you guys in the office, and and to talk to people about after the message. It's been it seems like this has been timely for a lot of people. It, it is. I mean, we're living in days of great division all around us, and I, I appreciate you where you landed and how you called us and and helped us. I mean, really, what you did was remind us what Jesus is calling us to. And uh, I really appreciate it. And I thank you for the conversation. It's always a delight to get to do this with you. Likewise. Faith Church, thank you for listening. We uh, hope this has been an encouragement. Can't wait to see you soon. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.